This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. From the ArmeniaProud.com studios. Genatsat Hayed. This is a toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. A comprehensive look at the Armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm. Genatsat, Genatsat, Pailuisin Spesek. How you doing, Chris? I'm Chris doing is fantastic. on the show today. Welcome folks. back, welcome back. I'm yes. glad actually welcoming myself back. Yeah, guess, uh, well, I'm happy to be well, here. Welcome to the show, pal. Uh, we've missed you, and I tell you what, I missed you guys last week too. I, I've been a little sick. I've been under the weather, and it's weird too, Chris, because when the kid gets it, it seems like it's automatic yeah. that I get it. That's awful. Automatic. <laughs> it's like walking pigeons in my house, <laughs> spreading their love of disease. I'm imagining this right now. Yeah, I? yeah, and uh, I, I think I got it from the older one, uh, and so here I am. It's a Tuesday morning, and. Uh, Feeling a little bit better, but it's good to be out of the yeah. house. Stay away from all those germs. You know what? If my mom was still alive, yeah. we had those all those Armenian uh, old uh, old recipes and stuff. No, no, my yeah. my wife doesn't cook anything for me. But <laughs> if, but she would, she would. I think she listens to the show. Of course she would, yes. and it would be amazing, and you would love it, and it would help you feel better. Yes, for sure, for sure. Hey, Chris. Today, you know what? I don't have a guest for us, but. But Anush came through. Anusha uh, hooked up with the general manager at. I'm gonna screw this name up. Sa- is give me a little help with this, Chris. Somalier. Oh, uh, at Soto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Somalier. Oh, that's it. That's yeah, it. She's the uh, Somalier at Soto, which is in Los Angeles. Uh, Beverly, oh, Hills. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Huh. So uh, we've got that interview for you guys. But you know what? I thought for our intro here, why don't we do a little Armenian news? Why don't Absolutely, we do a little yeah. Armenian news? You could get involved in yeah. that too, and we'll we'll kick a couple minutes with this. What's happening today? Actually, yeah. okay. I got all this news from today. So, uh, in the Armenian economy news, this is a bright spot, Chris. The Armenian currency jumped up to uh, against the U.S. dollar point thirty two, yeah. against the euro point thirty three, against Russia point oh four, and the Great Britain pound. Point twenty three. How significant is that? Well, if it is, even. yeah. I mean, it seems like I mean, you know, the fact that it's on the on the rise at all and is not you know s- sort of shrinking in value, you know, compared to the the rest of the world. It's going when you up. Look at yeah, the, at the euro and the you know the U.S. dollar. I think it's it, it's significant, especially because if you look at what's happening here in the U.S., you know, we've seen a lot of rise in. And I'm not. This isn't my specialty at all, but it would seem that the the rise right. in the value there is 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 at least you know staying up with the rise in the value of the dollar right. here and the rise of our economy. So. Right. Well, in America, we had that. Uh, what was that? That Thursday or that Friday? Uh, yeah. What What was that one shopping? That Black Friday. Black Friday. Yeah. Black Friday. They hit billion dollars. Six point yeah. five billion dollars. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Now, now, how much tax do they get from this? And they're always claiming that they're broke. Well, I mean, and I mean, imagine. Just the, I mean, you know, if you look at the state, you know, state sales taxes, local sales taxes, you start to add all that up along with, you know, how much, you, you know, because you're able to sort of subdivide that out of how much is in, in income tax from those sales that's going to the feds, it's going to the state. I mean, you know, 
Yeah, they got to be making money. Oh, they got to yeah. be making money. And they're always talking about their broke. I don't know where this money's going. Uh, tax cuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tax cuts yeah. coming up. Huh? Uh, well, you know what? It's winter. And driving in winter, I'll tell you what, is not so appealing. Yeah. I got I got uh, uh, wife's family out there, and yeah. they're always complaining about the snow and the roads are bad. Even when the roads aren't bad, these drivers are bad in Armenia. Yeah. I mean, they, they take like six lanes. They- I've seen a video of it. I oh, just dude. saw a video like last week. I stumbled along this. It was it was a YouTube video of, of auto accidents all over Europe, and some of it was Armenia. Some of it was Russia. I'm, I'm not kidding Insanity. with you. My, my father-in-law, he makes his own damn lane. <laughs> I, and, and, and then I go, Pop, and I'll say in Armenia, and I go, Papa, uh, uh, you know, a stealing spist on Sarda, and he'll he'll just say vochinch vochinch, which like don't worry about yeah. it. I got it. And uh, <laughs> they make their own. Life. But you know what? In winter, it's really bad. But today, the Ministry of Emergency Situations, I don't know why they just don't call it a, a highway department. Yeah. <laughs> this is the call, roads yeah, department. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how bad it is yeah. in Armenia. They call it emergency situations. Sounds like FEMA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, they declared all roads in Armenia are open and everything's in good shape. So that's good news. That's a great yeah, news. Great. But on the bad side, on December 7th, snowfall mm. will grip the entire country. Eesh. This is why they're called the emergency situation. Because <laughs> as, as much as good news they just gave, they just made it all now like, oh, foot of snow. everything is going to yeah. go to hell on Jesus. December 7th. So. Be aware, my friends in Armenia, December 7th, you got snow coming all over the place there. Also, today, Armenia paid homage to a birthday of Marshal Bagramyan. Yeah, they got a monument of him and all that. Uh, he was the Soviet, uh, Soviet commander in World War II. Also, uh, what's so special about him is he was the first non-Slavic commander to lead a front line oh, wow. in the Baltics. Huh. Yeah. So today is his monument, and it's remembered by all uh, people and the dignitaries and stuff there at the monument and uh, militaries there as well. They're paying homage to him. But you know what? What gets me is I wonder if Russia mm. even acknowledges yeah, anything and, like yeah, this. Yeah. You know, they, they just blow everything past the army. Yeah. We, we did everything for that country, oh, yeah. and they just, yeah, you know, Who? whatever. Yeah. yeah. Who? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll drop a reef. <laughs> yeah. So today uh, uh, is the birthday, uh, 128th, I think it was, or 124, whatever. It's 120 something. And uh, it's his birthday today. And wow. that is, uh, what's his name again? His name is Marshal Bagramyan. Huh? How about that? Yeah. Armenia and Azerbaijan, uh, the foreign ministers to meet in Vienna on Ooh. Wednesday. Now, that's interesting. Uh, it's not really, because I'll tell you about this. This is a meeting right here. Well, let me sum this meeting up for you, Chris. Azeri foreign minister, Elmar Mamadi Yarvo. <laughs> Who would name their <laughs> last name Mama? He must be a mama's boy. He must be. Yeah, says, okay, this is what he says. He says, I want my land back. Yep. Our foreign minister, Nalban Dion, uh, he says, go screw yourself. going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then we got, okay, how about certain sections of my land back? Yep. Not your land, yep. n- not giving anything, not even a twig. Yeah. And that concludes the meeting yeah. in Vienna. Now they go off in Vienna and enjoy the yeah, Vienna. Now let's go hit the bars. Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing to be gained from that. Hammer and on. I, I want my land. Not going to happen. 
Camera off. Good meeting. And I guarantee you this. If Armenia said, okay, we'll talk this time, I guarantee you the Azari guy would go, Wait, I wasn't expecting wait, no, that wait. answer. Oh, what, what, what do you mean you, you want to talk? I need to talk to my people. Hold I, on. I was just going to enjoy <laughs> Vienna for the weekend. <laughs> do we really have to do this now? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, now you're making a <laughs> – now you want to give back land. Uh, no, but we'll never give back our yeah. land. That's ours. In sports, Armenian boxers were invited to Poland uh, for an invitational boxing tournament. And uh, Armenia sent five boxers – Check this out, Chris. Three golds, one silver, and one bronze. Wow. Yeah. That's in- out of five. That's incredible. How, how would you feel of that guy in the plane that got the bronze? Yeah, yeah. They're all looking at him. Oh, you know what? Let's go back there and talk to him. Let's- better next time, man. Yeah, better next yeah. time. And they're- no, a bronze is great. <laughs> yeah, they're no, gold medals. sad. Their yeah. silvers are hitting them as they, they walk by in Look, the bathroom. It's almost the same color, bronze <laughs> yeah. and gold. But it's just a little shinier. But in any case- Five went in three golds, one silver, and one bronze. Long trip for a, our home guy with the bronze, but you know what? <laughs> Everyone's happy still. Hey, congrats. congrats to all the boxers. A job well done. And uh, in London, we had our chess classic, and all games ended in a draw. Wow. How about that? All games. That's kind of depressing. Our, yeah. Our I Armenian think I'd rather chess have the bronze. Champion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Our Armenian chess champion, Levon Aronian, and uh, Sergei Karjikin, yeah, he's a Russian guy, uh, played to a draw. As a matter of fact, every match was played to a draw. Every match. Not even their match. You know what? That for a spectator? Yeah. You know, I paid good money to watch someone with someone. Yeah, I think they need to... Like devise a plan to like, yes. break those draws. Uh, we got some news. Everyone ended up in a draw. Yep. So bring out the wrestling mat. We're going to rest- finish this like yeah. men. Or an <laughs> arm wrestling yeah. match, yeah. something. Yeah. But in any case, uh, Livon, you did great again. And you held your own. You held your own. It was a tie. It was no loss. And everybody goes home happy. See, I you, now the guy in the, with the bronze medal, yeah. he would be happy to be he on would, that plane. Absolutely. Yeah, like, hey, look. We're hey, all look what I got. Look what I got there. <laughs> But in any case, <laughs> that's what we have for you on the news aspect here. And uh, I think we're just going to jump to Anusha's uh, uh, interview with Christine Vase. Yeah. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, welcome to another wine segment with Anush. Today I'm visiting Rosa Blue, a restaurant in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. And my guest is Christine. Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I wanted to share with you this story and how I found you. My husband is a UCLA graduate. <laughs> and go Bruins, you know, go Bruins. And you know how all the students, alumni, you know, in UCLA, they are so passionate about um, uh, the school and everything, whatever happens there. One day he came with this magazine and he points it out to me. He says, look what it's there. <laughs> Oh, he doesn't talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) So um, he said, look look at this article. Um, There's a girl. She's a UCLA graduate. She's a SOM. And she's Armenian. She's part Armenian. Awesome. He was so excited. And, of course, I was excited, too, because uh, wine is my passion. Um, My education is in wine. I love everything about it. Plus, Armenian heritage. I had to come and talk to you. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I was so surprised at how many 
folks saw that magazine. I had guests coming into Soto saying, that's you. And yeah. I'm like, I know, it's so crazy. Um, but it was super flattering. And I didn't realize how many folks in this industry came from UCLA, mm-hmm. majored in whatever they majored in, and somehow, for the love of food and wine or whatever it is, service, um, got brought into the restaurant industry with mm-hmm. backgrounds of all kinds of majors and experiences and yeah it's very exciting well i mean uh, a, a little bit sidetracking because the wine is not just an alcoholic beverage it has to do with history it has to do with um, science so i can see how people who are not their background and undergrad is in not wine can switch to the industry because it's so interesting it really is i mean geography Geo- exactly everything so um, let me then go to some of the questions that I had. So since we talked about UCLA and your background being um, uh, partially Armenian, tell us more about um, maybe your family, your heritage, and then um, your background, education. Yeah. So um, I was born in Chicago, but my parents grew up in Cairo, Egypt. So my dad is Greek. Mm-hmm. And my mom is Armenian Egyptian, and they met at the Cairo airport. That was, oh. That's how it was all, you know. My mom was working in Pam Am, and mm-hmm. uh, my dad was working for Swiss Air, and, mm-hmm. you know, eyes locked on my mom and was like, Who is this woman? Oh. Who is she? And he happened to go to high school with her brother. So that oh. was his way into like meeting the family. Um, you know, they didn't necessarily have plans to come to the United States. It just sort of happened because my brother was born with an illness. But my dad's mm-hmm. company was amazing and said, let's, you know, send you to the United States. You can get the best care for your son. How and wonderful. they just sort of stayed there. I mean, yeah. we had family ahead of us that moved here on my mother's side. But my dad's side of the family was very happy living in Cairo, mm-hmm. um, didn't have any intentions to move. My grandfather was running a very successful business in hospitality, actually, in, in hotel management. Oh. Um, so it's funny. It's, like, kind of in my blood. Yeah. You know, even though it skipped my parents, I guess it, like, went directly to me. Um, so we just set up shop in Chicago, Illinois, in a small suburb called Streamwood. Mm -hmm. So I was there for a while, and um, my mom wanted to be closer to her side of the family, which was all based in Los Angeles. Angeles. Um, Where where in Los Angeles? um, In Hollywood. In Hollywood. Okay. (laughs) Um, So we moved here. I want to say I was in middle school, and it was sort of a culture shock because in, in Chicago, like, I felt very much like an American, but I was also very, like, much closer to my Greek side of my family because my godmother is Greek. Mm-hmm. So I ate a lot of Greek food at her place. But, <laughs> and, you know, where we lived in Chicago, it wasn't easy to come across, like, Middle Eastern products, like yep. food products. Like, there was no Armenian grocery yeah. store in East Hollywood, you know, in, in Streamwood, <laughs> Illinois. So um, coming to L.A., I felt like I could really like get a feel for the Armenian side of me but in a way mm-hmm. I also didn't feel totally accepted because I didn't grow up speaking Armenian like my mom knew Armenian mm-hmm. but we didn't grow up hearing it because my dad didn't know Armenian yeah and my dad knew Greek but my mom didn't so I didn't yeah. hear Greek we only heard Arabic growing up okay um, but my parents were very much you know they wanted to learn English as much as I wanted to learn you know that language so 
it was a household where my parents spoke a lot of English or tried to just because they wanted you guys to be fluent. Be fluent, but yeah. they wanted to be fluent at their they jobs, were. especially. Yeah. So coming to LA, I like really got to like tap into those roots, which I loved. Um, Armenian grocery stores galore, <laughs> you know, bakeries everywhere. Very happy. I grew up in Van Nuys. Uh-huh. Um, but we'd visit my, my grandparents a lot in Hollywood. And what was, you know, great about living in Van Nuys is like, there's a huge Armenian population there. And I was part of the LAUSD system okay. coming up. And then, um, I ended up at UCLA by doing the transfer. Went to community college for a couple years, okay. and then majored in political science. And when I graduated college, I was very much on the graduate school track. Mm-hmm. Took my GREs, was thinking about applying, and then I landed a great job in advertising of all things. Wow! And cool. I was—I really needed to make some money. Yeah. And I always worked in restaurants to support myself. Like that was always the job to earn money in high school. I started off at Denny's as a host and, and wanted to become a server so bad, you know, just because I wanted to be on the floor. Like I love that energy. And I was, I took a graveyard shift. Mm. Like when I was in high school, like that's how bad I wanted to, you know, throw myself into it and make extra cash. Worked at hamburger Hamlet. And then my true chef, driven restaurant was at Red Medicine, actually, with Jordan Kahn, who's the number one, has the number one restaurant wow, on Jonathan Gold's 101 list, Vespertine. But I really got my wee chef experience there, and that was amazing. And then I did a, a stint at Test Kitchen, and I met uh, Chef Steve Sampson and, um, and Dina. And mm-hmm. um, I won, and, I, and I got a job at Soto, and what I loved about the food there, it was so tried and true and honest, and it wasn't this, like, you know, crazy planning. It was very simple food with, like, great product and just made in this honest way, and that's kind of like the food I grew up eating. Yeah. So so what what kind of restaurant is, was it? So Soto is an Italian restaurant still here on Pico Boulevard. You should check it out, especially if you're fans of Neop- Neapolitan-style pizza. It's devoted to southern Italy through and through. So uh, an amazing wood-burning oven, wood-burning grill, a, a wine list that's just devoted to southern Italy through and through, which I think is amazing. Um you know, if a, if a menu is so focused on a particular region of Italy, like, why not focus on the wines mm-hmm. there, too? So so that brings me to, a, to the next question. What is your role? What was your role in Soto? And what is your role here at this restaurant, Rosa Blue? So when I started at Soto, I was a server. I didn't, I mean, none of us, when we opened the restaurant, had a command over Southern Italian wines. But I met my mentor there, Jeremy Parson, who I co-author the list um, at Rosa Blue here with, mm-hmm. and I caught the wine bug. I mean, the way he talked about wine was so inspiring, and particularly natural wine, and how much he believed in it, and we, it was so contagious in that restaurant. And by working with him and also the psalm before me, Rory Harrington, they took me under their wing, and like this industry, you really, really learn through working, but mentorship. Mm-hmm. Like we all had mentors that we looked up to. It's important. Up. It's so important. So, um, so then you became the wine buyer. I started off as a server, and then when the psalm ahead of me left, there mm-hmm. was this void. You know, uh-huh. they're like, "Who's going to take over the program?" What was so funny was. 
they were interviewing outside. And, I mean, you had advanced certified some ways coming in and applying for this job, and they would ask the simple question, like, what is your favorite grape of southern Italy? And you'd get answers like Nebbiolo, which is not, <laughs> which is not the major grape of southern Italy. I mean, I don't mean to laugh at them. I'm just... Uh, it's just funny because, like, when you are in the industry, just like you said, you get so um, excited and taken in that it gets so detailed and you get so passionate about yeah. it that it's, it, it is, yeah. So I can totally see yeah. that. It's just like the court of master psalms is never going to prepare you for your deep education and understanding of southern Italian wine. Like, that just, yeah. that's not how it works, you know? Yeah. So they figured... We'll, ha- we'll promote from within because no one knows this list more than the people who are here right now who are selling it every single day on the floor. So mm-hmm. they took a chance on me, which I cannot tell you enough how thankful I am because I didn't have a strong wine background coming into Soto. Um, it just just wasn't the case. So they took a chance on me and I worked really hard, and then I eventually got promoted to wine director of Soto, but I was also managing the restaurant, too. Oh, it wow. was it was a very tough time because that it was extremely like. hectic. I mean, Soto is a small restaurant. It's not as large as Rosso Blue, but it, it's a beast in itself when you're managing. I mean, I had an amazing team behind me. I couldn't do it alone. but And then when Rosso Blue was opening, you know, I finally could just – really delve into wine through and through and now I'm just working with wine I'm not managing day to day and I'm the wine director here and it's amazing and I get to work with Jeremy Parsons still who's my mentor and Skylar Hughes who I've been working I you know was serving side by side with and we both got further into wine and here we are that's fantastic so so you did take a um a course in the masters or the, the Sommelier Court of Masters. I did my introductory program. It was a, it was two days long. First day was just lecture and tasting, and second day was partially lecture and tasting and and the exam. And, exam. and it was such a great learning experience because I never learned, you know, blind tasting mm-hmm. and and you know deductive reasoning. Mm-hmm. I think that was so interesting, and I'm so glad I did it. And I met why, why did you want it to do it? Just to um, because I have my uh, reasons why I did it, <laughs> and I want to always get an um, ideas or the opinions. You know why? Like, well, what 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 made you go take the exam? A lot of folks ahead of me who took it said it's such a great learning experience. You gotta exactly. just go do it. Just yes. go do it. Yes, you know. Yeah. It's a little, you know, costs a little bit of money, but it's yeah. absolutely worth it. Yeah. And also, I, I, I mean, beyond Italian wine, like if I wasn't working in Italian wine, I have interest in Burgundy. I mean, mm-hmm. those wines are incredible. I have interest in Spanish wines. Greek wines, I think, is a new up-and-coming, yeah. you know, uh, region. I mean, it, it pretty much is... It's already here. I'm already seeing amazing have wines coming. Have you been to Greece? From, I haven't been to Greece. Mm-hmm. My parents honeymooned there, but I still have yet to go. But I've gone to, I've gone to Cairo a bunch. Okay. Growing up. I haven't a- gone any wine there? Some. Some. You'll find more wine in Lebanon. Yes. Yeah. A ton of Lebanese oh, yeah. wine. Um, but I haven't actually seen in a shop. A Lebanese wine? A, a wine from Egypt. 
Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I would. I, I, I have not either. I know that there's some places that make a little bit. Maybe but next to the Nile. I can imagine yeah, there's yeah. some farmer growing something there and making wine for his family. <laughs> How cool. Or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure you can find that. Um, um, there, there's like so many questions I want to ask, but uh, trying to stay uh, focused on because we could go like now to a total different tangent talking about wines Please of keep Egypt. Me focused. Please keep me focused because I will. So, so, so after so being a um, a, a som a wine buyer and um, uh, managing the restaurant, how hard or easy it is being a female and doing that. You don't see too many, or, or at least the numbers are changing, but mostly like wine buyers and the Psalms. Working in the sales and distribution myself, when I would go calling on an account, I would never have seen a woman being a wine buyer. So how cool is that? It's amazing. I, you cheers know, to that. It cheers to that. I, I have to cheers to that. It really is a, a male-dominated industry. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. I would say... So I work with Jeremy Parson. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think it's because he's a man and I'm a woman that people look to him. I think people look to him because he's just been in this industry a lot longer, longer. than I have. He has yeah. this amazing blog called dobianki.com. I'm going to plug it in, Jeremy. I have to. <laughs> Please do. We need, we need all information. We need lots of good sources. If, if you want an amazing uh, voice in Italian wine, you look to Dobianchi because it is, he's so passionate, knowledgeable. This man uh, speaks Italian, Italian fluently, wow. travels to Italy like 10, 12 times a year, and knows nice. these producers, like is friends with Damn. a lot of these producers. I mean... What an incredible resource for this restaurant. But anyway. Well, looking to that. Looking to that, folks will naturally defer to him, and I'm fine with that. But sometimes I'll have, you know, I work with Skylar Hughes, who's a man, and I'm a woman. And people will just assume, like, he runs the program. Yeah. And I don't know, like, if, if, it's, if people mean to do that. I don't even think they're thinking about it. Yeah. But yeah. naturally, they'll look to him, and it's like, oh, I, I actually, I run this ship. Yeah. I mean, he's oh, my co-pilot, but this yeah. is like, I run this program. And, and then they're like, oh, great, you know. Yeah. Or even if you look at Chef Steve and, and Dina Sampson, they're, they're partners in this endeavor. But they just naturally, like, look to Chef Steve. Well, I mean, he's the chef, but also, like, Dina is running this operation financially, mm -hmm. operationally. And, like, that's no easy feat. Yeah. Um, in terms of... You know, when I go to Vin Italy, mm -hmm. in Italy, which yes. is basically yeah. this huge Italian wine fair, and the whole world descends upon Verona for this one fair year. Um, it's very male-dominated. I'm not, I mean, I, I see yeah. it. Yeah. Do I feel threatened by it? No. Yeah. Because it's changing. Like you said, it, it is changing. Is changing. Yeah. And I met... Uh, a female winemaker from the producer Zerbina. Her name is Christina, and she's amazing. She's not only the winemaker, she's the grower. Mm -hmm. She's she's the financial brain behind that. But she's doing it all. And she, you know, I just talked to her last week, and she even said coming up yeah. was no easy feat. But even I'm in sure. Italy, it's changing. Yeah. So it's changing all over the world. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's so... Uh, 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 like I said, you know, I would call on the accounts and it would be um, 
uh, only man, uh, but at the same time, I did manage a winery in Dallas, a small one, and, um, you know, they would come and say, we want to talk to the manager, and they would be like, it's me, and I was just fresh out of my grad school, uh, 24, 25, and they look at me like, uh, okay, are you sure? <laughs> are you, are you, you know how many times I've gotten asked, are you old enough to drink? Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's very sweet. Very I'm going to take yeah. that as, as a form of flattery and not, yeah. and not look at it the other way. Exactly. You know, exactly. but I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for you. Congratulations on that and, um, wishing you lots of success. Thank you. Now, um, do you, um, uh, getting back to more like the technical aspects, how important is wine and food pairing? It's very important. Just to give the listeners and oh. like fr- from a simple to a more like sophisticated perspective, like what does it do? In, this, in the most simplest sense, I would say that it can enhance your dinner. Mm-hmm. Like wine can make flavors pop in the best way it could it could take a meal over the top so for example you know in the case of of soto like when would whenever we use the ingredient in duya i would always advise servers like please like stay away from heavy heavy tannins Mm -hmm. we have a spicy dish in front of us let's lean towards a Maybe a white wine with, mm-hmm. with a good amount of fruit to it. Maybe let's lean towards a Sicilian red where the tannins are not going to be as heavy, as aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then they're really going to enjoy this, you know, spicy clams with anduja, so with the what, spicy sausage. What happens is like if you have a spicy... I had I had a segment on wine, wine and food pairing, but it's always good to have, an, you know, other perspective, other way of explaining. What does the tannins do to, like, how, what, when it clashes, what happens? Okay, so tannins just, for those of you out there, tannins is, for example, I would say the most basic way to put it is like, let's say you're making tea mm-hmm. and you leave that tea bag in the hot water and you forget about it. Okay. You take out the tea bag, you've left it there for 15 minutes. You take that sip, what is that mouth sensation? It basically feels like, you know, it's like sandpaper a little bit. really dries out, takes out all the moisture from your mouth. And you're like, okay. So imagine that with a really spicy dish, After drying your palate, it's spicy then. It's drying it even more. And the tannins just seem so aggressive. And and you need something to put out that fire. And, like, I would would tell my servers, you know, please... Mm -hmm. First of all, when you make a suggestion, it's like you take into account what the guest wants, what yeah. kind of wines they like. And coming into a restaurant like Soto, a lot of the guests didn't know a lot of the varieties on the list. These were all Southern Italian varieties. When we first opened, it was a really big struggle. I'm so, sure. So flavor profile and describing wines and making suggestions was always something we really focused on. Mm-hmm. So we got guests excited about wines like Etna Rosa, which is great for a California palate. You know, you have those beautiful cherry notes, you know, strawberry, awesome minerality because it's grown in volcanic soil. And it was just a wine that I loved selling to my California palate. All right. That sounds in. yummy. I want it's, a glass of this. It's delicious, and you can have it with some seafood. And mm-hmm. you know, red it's, wine a red wine, it's a red wine, and you wine. can have it with seafood. Yeah. Right. It comes from the grape Nerlo Mascalese. So pairing is really important. And in Rosso Blue, for example, Bolognese cuisine is extremely rich, and 
you know, you get a salumi board to start. You're sitting mm-hmm. with friends and we're so passionate about Lombrusco here, you know? Yeah. 23 years ago, Lombrusco was one of those wines that got the worst reputation <laughs> thanks to producers we won't name who mass produced it. And it was just cloyingly sweet and not not the Lombrusco of, of Emilia. This was not the wine that they were, this was not, they were not putting out wines for that audience. They were putting out for an audience that they thought Americans, like what Americans' palates, what they thought it was like, which is not true. Like, we have sophisticated palates. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, we love old world wine. We do love our new world wine, too, but we love old world wine. So here at this restaurant, when you have rich, fatty salumi, naturally, you we want to pair something fizzy that's going to help with digestion. That's just going to make it appear lighter, okay, and and not as decadent. Just to like kind of wash down all that richness, we pair it with Lombrusco. Why? Because it's fizzy, it's slightly sweet, and that's perfect with something rich and fatty. Wow, that, that's. Um that's the best, uh, like, the description and the pairing of a Lambrusco I've ever heard. Because, yes, Lambrusco had a bad reputation. But uh, one of my chefs that, I mean, not one of my chefs, but one of the chefs that I like so much is Mario Batali. And yeah. he's a big Lambrusco guy. Like, during his shows, yeah. he would make the food of the um, Emilia Romagna, and uh, he would pair the uh, Lambrusco with it. And I would think, like, hmm, interesting. It's but so it's, it's, uh, it's Yeah, it's... I have... Um, to tell you the truth, I've never had a good Lambrusco, so I need to look for it. Come here. I will. For <laughs> you a nice glass. It really is. And it's so affordable and fun, and, like, there's this huge beer drinking culture. Yeah. And I want people to treat Lambrusco like beer. Like Jeremy yeah. Parson was saying, like, Lambrusco is the wine for the common man. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 everyone can enjoy Lambrusco. Like, and it's accessible to everyone. So accessible. Yeah. Like, I can pour it for my mom. She's going to love it. Yeah. I'm going to pour it for myself. I love it. I could pour it for, I, I'm sure if, I mean, it'd be amazing if the great Bobby Stuckey would come here. Master Sommelier, I would love to pour him a glass of Lombrusco, and I feel like he would appreciate it just the same. And, I'm sure. And I think I, I just love that, you know, at a place like Rosso Blue, you could get vintage Barolo here, you know, mm-hmm. crazy Barolo vintage, but you can also get a glass of Lombrusco. So what is your absolute, like, the pairing that you had and you still remember it? Is it? That's so tough. <laughs> I know those questions. I'm, what is your favorite I'm, wine, or what's your? You know, but, I'm gonna go back close to few, maybe like few. What are like perfect matches? I would say I'm gonna go back to my Soto days because what I loved about those days was like my palate was so fresh and new. Mm-hmm. There was nothing clouding my judgment. There was no yes. like prior experiences. It's like a fresh slate and fresh palette and I have to and it's gonna sound so cheesy because I'm talking about Lambrusco but like tasting a margarita pizza uh-huh. next to the sparkling red from Campania called Grignano was such amazing a fun experience. experience. <laughs> so again Grignano is this is a sparkling red. Okay. Not too cloyingly sweet and it is the pairing with Neapolitan pizza. So if you go to Naples, okay. there's three things you're allowed to... I'm, I'm going to stretch it to four. <laughs> there's like four I have things friends, that... Are, I have friends from um, from Naples. I'm going to ask them They want to pour you a light beer, uh-huh. right? They, they even want to pour you a Coca-Cola, which is... I love 
Pizza and a, and a Coke, absolutely. Yeah, I love why, it. Yeah, of course. I'm seeing a lot of pairing with Falangina. Uh-huh. There was this whole area in this wine fair I went to where it was like they were only serving pizza next to Falangina, and mm-hmm. that is a great pairing as well, but Grignano. Okay. The sparkling red wine that's made from uh, a famous grape in Campania called El Yanico, which is okay. thin skin and tannic. People like to call Yannico the Barolo of the South. I okay. like to argue and say Yannico is the mm-hmm. Barolo of the North or the Nebbiolo of the North, I should okay. say. Um, but yeah, and it's just like refreshing, mm-hmm. low in alcohol, not too cloyingly sweet, and just the most perfect pairing with pizza. And it blew my mind because pizza is like this fun food that I love. Like I love bad pizza, good pizza, chef-driven pizza, <laughs> Neapolitan, all styles. And to have it with a glass of Grignano, like, blew my mind because I always found wine to be kind of a splurge growing up. Like, I didn't grow up drinking wine with my parents at dinner. We didn't yeah. have wine growing yeah. up. We just didn't. It was like Christmas, they would pull out some wine some or like wine, a yeah. big holiday, but it was not something yeah. that was just commonly on the table. And I looked at Grignano or like a wine like Lumbrisco, like this could be on the table every day yeah. at anyone's house. Yeah. And is like makes this meal just so much more enjoyable. Yeah. But but also um, it, it wasn't so much wine available as it is now. There might be also the reason and not as much knowledge and uh, understanding of different varietals, different countries. So I think the time has changed, too. And wine, uh, while there can be some very expensive wine, just like you said, there can be something super affordable and super fun that you can have with pizza and almost every day. Almost every day. Like, even Falangina, like, is, like, this inexpensive white wine with, like, gorgeous acidity, just, like, light and, and, and has undercurrents of minerality and just... Like, southern Italian wines especially are just so affordable. Yeah. so affordable. And that's what I loved about the list at Soto. And even Rosso Blue is, like, I want wine to be treated as just part of dinner. It's just, it should be, like, bread on the table or just another dish on the table. It should just be part of dinner. I agree. (laughs) Like, if we look at lemon on our food, squeezing half lemon on a piece of fish or vinegar on a salad. Yeah. Wine is the same way. Yeah. yeah. It makes awesome. flavors pop. And I completely agree. I love that. It's, uh, to me, just like you said, it enhances the meal. It makes the conversation a little bit more livelier. True. <laughs> a little bit more. A little bit easier with a little bit of wine on the table. <laughs> so um, where do you see your career go? Do you see as a uh, wine buyer, do you see at some point maybe moving to... Italy and growing your own own grapes because this is uh, it's uh, when you are in the industry you want to cover you want to be in all the parts at least that was for me I started with studying the winemaking then I did sales and marketing then I did work in Napa Valley in the production in sales now I talk about it it's like you want to experience all the sides of the wine when you are in it so where do you see yourself? I think I want to take uh, Jeremy Parsons' advice and maybe one day go work a harvest. Oh, you I've should. never done that. Oh, amazing. Maybe go be a seller at. Just yes. go, just go do it. 
and see why I'm not doing that <laughs> as a living because it's hard, hard, hard yeah. work. Yeah, it is hard And, work. you know, for me, I'm buying the wine. I'm pricing it out. I'm opening it at a table. I'm doing staff trainings with it. But yeah. I don't. I don't truly grasp what it takes to make this bottle that's sitting on the table that I'm just like casually opening, talking about guests are drinking. I want that experience. Yeah. At least I want to try that out. But I would say long term, I can't imagine of ever leaving a, the restaurant business. Yeah. It's contagious. It's, yeah. It's hard to leave. I remember just those few months between leaving Soto and opening Rosso Blue and not working service daily. Uh-huh. I was a little down. Like, oh, I, I get you energy. The rush. Yeah. I need the rush. Guests give me energy. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much energy they give me because when I wasn't around my guests, I was like, I'm, you know, I miss the energy on the floor. Yeah. Um, then again, I'm, you know, I'm... I don't know how I'll feel when I'm like 50, 60 years old running around the floor. I don't know if I can, I'll have it in me, but I The really time will show. I, I, can, I can, after our conversation, I see you somewhere in Italy growing some grapes, enjoying it, coming back here, maybe. So romantic. <laughs> like even just hearing it, it's so romantic and just out there. It's like a dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I definitely need to work a harvest. Yeah, that the, har- is- the harvest is amazing. It's uh, uh, it, it can be a whole another show. I did a harvest with Kent Rasmussen in um, Napa, Saint Helena, and uh, three months, um, three to four months. It was one of the most amazing experiences. I didn't want to leave. He's an outstanding man, a great mentor. Uh, I'm gonna just. Just just my first day when I arrived there, he gave me a drill, a saw, and another electric thing with a bunch of cords. He said, okay, this is your first day. Go fix this. <laughs> Welcome. And I did. Welcome to the winery. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I fixed it. But, but like I said, we can have another whole uh, conversation. I would like to come back and talk more to you. Can I just say thank you for having this podcast? It's my pleasure. Thank it's, you for being here you know, and responding to my email. I know it might have sounded a little crazy. But. Not at all. And like, I, the Armenian community in LA is, is so special to me. And I, I love seeing us do, in all walks of life, working in different industries yeah. and taking our, our families' past experiences, our culture that we grew up in and, you know, yeah. and just moving on and seeing where we're going. It's, yes. It makes our our parents, our grandparents, our family is very proud, I think. Proud. That's that, that, that's a perfect way to end this because uh, the, the podcast channel is Armenia Proud. Yeah. And uh, like I said, thank you so much. Wishing you lots of success. Thank you. Lots and lots. Thank you for having us. And we'll catch you some other time. Yeah. Please do, and I'll pour you a glass of Lambrusco. Come visit Rosso Blue, and I'll have the information under the link. Um, so hopefully you'll be seeing our listeners who are in L.A. coming and saying hello. <laughs> I, I can't wait to pour them something from my heart. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Wow. Another great interview Very cool. by Anush. Wow. Anush covering uh, Christian days and i tell you what that was a hell of an interview and she sounded great yeah sounded great i mean it it sounded like a studio well and she's a great interviewer so excellent excellent and uh folks out there please drop by and 
definitely visit the restaurant. And uh, you know what? That That's great stuff. I didn't get into wine as much as I did before. Yeah. Until Anush. Uh, Anush came yeah, come along. Been I've been really into wines now. I've she been enjoying sure it a little bit more. Is a real expert. I mean, yeah. She knows what she's talking about. So, uh, my friends, I think that concludes our show for this week. Uh, I'm sorry it wasn't a little longer, but you know what? Like I said, I've been under the weather. My kid got me sick, and then it's I her went fault. to yeah, and I went to an Armenian party. I was a little down, you know, a little I, sick. I and saw, I saw the photos from the Armenian right, party. Right, and then the guy that hugged me, uh, he was sick. Look at and, that. And so, you know, I, I mean, he really put his whole collar and stuff all over my <laughs> face. Great to see you. Uh, like, I, I looked at my other buddy. I looked at Vargas. I go, I, I got to be sick. Yeah. I, I will be sick yeah, now. I can feel it. Yeah. Thanks, Voskin. Yeah, you got me sick. All right. Whatever. But still listen, please. Yeah, please. Yeah, please <laughs> listen to our listen. show still. still I, I, I don't know if he listens. He, he's got a gun collection. All he does oh, is go wow. shoot wow. shoots guns. So we really want him to stay listening. We don't want him mad at us. You're right. Yeah. I don't care. He's still sick. <laughs> I, can, I can still take him. <laughs> anyway, that's our show for this week. Hey, Chris, how could they get a hold yeah, of us? Yeah, our website. You can get us on iTunes, Stitcher, on literally any of the the other big networks out there that you can you can find the show on um but uh you know itunes is the easiest way yeah. itunes and stitcher armeniaproud.com Armenia, yeah armeniaproud.com um or if you if you're not able to uh, find the show on whatever the network is you're wanting to listen on send us an email send us a message on on facebook and we will shoot you a link on how you can find it and easiest way is armeniaproud.com. Yeah, armeniaproud.com. And, folks, if you have a guest out there that you think would yeah. be good for the show, please let me know on that, too. Leave a message or something on that. And, uh, and again, thank you for shopping on Amazon with armeniaproud.com. And uh, on your right-hand side, you'll see Amazon. Click on there and shop away. And we appreciate everything that you guys are doing for us. So that's our show for this week. Thank you so much, Chris, for being a part hey, of it. Hey, man. Glad to be back. All right, brother. Kishé party, my friends. Genatsu Kishé party. And we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jano Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash armeniaproud or Twitter at armeniaproud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.